going to preach today under this title, He Was Above Them, from Exodus chapter 18, specifically verse uh, 18. Uh, but we're going to read a, a few verses together. Um, and in my aim today, I want to bring this word to your attention, the word exalt, exalt. And exalt means to raise in rank. It means uh, to raise in power or raise in character. And I, my aim today is to exalt Jesus wherever uh, your circumstance has you, whatever is going on in your life, it's to exalt Jesus. So simply put, uh, the word exalt simply means to lift up. I want to lift up Jesus above your circumstances today. So in the sermon, that's what I'm going to do, lift up Jesus. And really, this, this sermon comes born from the thought that it is easy to become oblivious. It's easy to become oblivious to the blessings that we have. Occasionally, our family has went to eat at a hibachi. Anybody been to one of those hibachi Japanese grills? They cook the rice, sometimes the noodles, in front of you. Our family will go occasionally. I can remember, I can remember as a teenager the first time in the town that I lived in, grew up in, the first time that it came, uh, that one opened there, and it was incredibly busy. But I remember my family taking one of my brother or I for our birthdays, and, and that was the family meal for the birthday. And I can remember the, I was so impressed with the cook and his ability to twirl the utensils and not stab himself, you know, all of those things. It was impressive. I'd never seen anything like that. Um, now, I've been many, many times, and it's not so much about the show as it is just about the food is good, and I enjoy the food. And I think most of us can relate to that, that maybe the first experience was impressive, uh, but then after that, it kind of becomes common a little bit. And I've sat in one of those restaurants, and I, I like to look around at people. People probably think I'm weird because uh, I like to watch people's reactions and what people do. Um, and I've watched families, they're eating, and the kids are enthralled with what's going on. They're watching the cook and his utensils spinning and the slapping of the, of the grill, tossing the broken eggs on top of his hat and throwing shrimp at people, building the onion volcano, the smoke that comes out and throwing pepper in there, makes it look like fire. The kid's laughing when he acts like he's going to spray some soy sauce on somebody. You know, they're just, they're, they're caught up in it. Then you watch the adults, and the adults might be completely oblivious to all that is happening. It's become common to them. And I understand that. I, I don't go to those places anymore for the showmanship. I go to eat the food. Um, I read a story a while back of a passenger on a long train trip, and he was so enthralled with the journey that with regularity, he was overheard to say, wonderful, 
He'd see something out the window, and it was wonderful. The scenery would change. Wonderful. The faces of fellow travelers even intrigued him. and Even the smallest details of the people he was with, they elicited expressions of enjoyment. Everything was wonderful. Finally, a fellow traveler was overcome with curiosity and asked, how is it that while the rest of us are worn out with this monotonous trip, you're having the time of your life and everything you see, you keep saying wonderful to everything. He answered, until a few days ago, I was a blind man. A great doctor has just given me my sight. And what's ordinary to the rest of you is out of this world to me. I've never seen it. He saw as wonderful what others had accepted as common. It's interesting that the Greek word which describes the opposite of holy, God is holy, his things are holy, the things he sets apart to himself, they are holy, and that's really what holy means. It means separated, set apart unto God. The opposite of holy is simply the word common. The things of God that become common to us, could it be that they are no longer holy? The things that we start to accept as common, they quit being holy. And so we open up the word of God, and if it's become common, it's no longer holy. We kneel in our relationship with God to pray, but it's just a practice. It's common. It's no longer holy. We sing a song in worship and lift our voices to the Lord and give praise. But what if it becomes common? It's no longer holy. What if the pulpit and the preached word become so common that they no longer hold its power of the Lord for us? It no longer speaks to our life. It no longer moves us. It no longer is holy. It's easy for it to happen to any of us. When a thing becomes common, it's taken for granted. It's unappreciated and underappreciated. In that atmosphere of our life, the trivial things start to take on more meaning. Small things that we ignored that weren't really big deals all of a sudden become big deals. It's like a tiny piece of gravel in a pair of $500 boots. Instead of shaking out the piece of gravel, we limp around complaining and fretting over our boots. Getting used to the holy is nothing new. During Solomon's reign, he built a temple to God, and its dedication was this great celebrated thing. If you go and you read about it, 144,000 animals would be sacrificed. So many sacrifices were made that they could not all fit upon the altar, and the feast lasted seven days. That's 20,000 sacrifices a day over a seven-day period. That's a sacrifice every four seconds. Why? 
Because when Solomon had offered the first consuming sacrifice and prayed, the glory of God fell on that place. And the fire of heaven consumed the sacrifice. And so great was the glory of God that the priest had to stand outside because it filled the temple and they were not able to enter. And all of the people fell down on their face and worshiped. It happens in 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 2. Solomon had finished praying. Fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering, the sacrifices, the glory of the Lord, filled the temple, and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And so for seven days they feasted, and for seven days they, people were just bringing sacrifices to the temple. For seven days they worshiped their great God. Solomon over time became famous for his wisdom and his wealth and he was renowned, spread, his renown spread all across the world. The known earth knew about Solomon and his wisdom so much so that a well-traveled queen from the east visited him. She'd seen a lot in her travels and her pursuit. She'd seen, you could say she, she had seen everything. She had seen it all. She walks through taking a tour, and he shows her everything, holds nothing back from her. And she looks at all of the splendor, she looks at the wealth, and she listens to the wisdom of Solomon. And this cynical queen of Sheba left saying the half had not been told. I'd heard, but I'd not seen it yet. But when I saw it, the testimony didn't stand up to what people were saying. It, it surpassed it. It went way beyond. And I wonder if the people of Israel, the people who were in attendance at the dedication of that temple, the priest who had experienced the glory in such an amazing way, I wonder if those people who experienced Solomon's wisdom and walked by his wealth daily, I wonder if they had the same terms. Half has not been told. Human nature, what it is, I, I tend to think that probably not. Most likely, all of it became commonplace. It was just there. It was present. Common. Jesus said in Luke 4.27, many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha and the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. What was he saying? He was saying, Naaman the Syrian... The stranger to the prophetic, the one who didn't experience this on a regular occasion, he came from a great distance. He appreciated the presence of a prophet that the others did not. People that were right next door that were lepers didn't get healed. But yet Naaman came from a great distance on just the possibility that some servant girl said, I know a man that could heal you. How easy it is for me to forget the amazing grace that surrounds me. How easy it is for you to forget the great things that God has done in your life when you find yourself looking at trouble. Exodus 8 8 through 11 records the story of Moses and his father-in-law Jethro and Jethro's wisdom. 
Jethro was a priest of Midian. Understand, he was a priest of other gods. And this priest of other gods could see what others took for granted. Let me give you the setting. God has brought Israel out of Egypt, and he's done it with a high hand. Egyptians are left dead on the seashore, and Jethro has brought Moses' uh, wife and his sons with him, hearing what has happened to Israel coming out of Egypt. He comes bringing Moses' wife and children, two sons with him to meet them. Exodus 18 and 8 records all of this. Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh, to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way. Notice what he, what he draws attention to, all the hardship. The root word means weariness. All the weariness that had come upon them on the way. You know what it is to have weariness come on you, the way of life? You know what it is to face some hardship? You know what it is to face some troubles, some trials? I, I think you do. I think you know. Carrying the wilderness of the past with you. Hardship that had come upon them on the way, the weariness of being in a wilderness without water, the weariness of being surrounded by complaining people, the weariness of bitter waters and the weariness of no bread and the weariness of the battle with the Amalekites, all of these things, hardships. Moses told his father-in-law all the hardships that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jethro, the priest of Midian, rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done from Israel, whom he had delivered out of the land hand of the Egyptians. Again, get it, this priest to another deity rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done for Israel. Jethro said, verse 10, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. I wonder, perhaps Moses had gotten so focused on the recent challenges that he lost a little bit of perspective. So he had to dive into the hardships and had to dive into the weariness and had to dive into the troubles that they had faced on the way, the bitterness, the hunger, the desert travel, the thirst, the war, the murmuring, complaining, all of it becomes stifling and its impact lasts a long time. And so when he goes to tell his father-in-law, he says, let me tell you, God delivered us, but man, we've had all kind of things happen between now and then, hardships on the way. God's still doing a work. Moses is 80 years old. He'd had 40 years of shepherding. He'd experienced a contest with Pharaoh. And now he'd had tribulations of travel. Moses is succeeding. God's taking him somewhere, but he's weary. There were problems, but God still provided. And in response to what had happened in Egypt, Jethro comes bringing Moses' wife and son, celebrating what he's heard. 
Now he hears what has happened since. And Jethro, the priest of another god, he has a different perspective. And so he blesses the Lord. Perhaps what became common to Moses was wonderful to Jethro. Perhaps what Moses was looking at through the filter of his experiences, Jethro was looking and saying, you know, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you. Blessed be the one who has done this great thing. Blessed be the one that has carried you through. Blessed be the one who has done great miracles among you. In verse 11, he says, now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. For in the very thing in which they behave proudly, he was above them. For Moses, he was recounting all the experience, but for Jethro, he was getting a revelation. Jethro looked and said, I see a God that is blessing. I see a God that is doing a work. I see a God that has his hand on you. I see a God that is showing himself to be above every other God. Before, I did not know. But now, I've heard and I see I know that he is above them. What was he talking about? Think about the Egyptians' God. They were, they were pantheists. They believed in many gods. They had Ray, the sun god. And at Jehovah's instruction, Moses lifted up his hand toward heaven and darkness covered Egypt for days, three days. And their sun god was eclipsed by the one true God. Where the sun god behaved proudly, Jehovah was above him. They had Geb, the earth god. Locusts came in to eat everything the earth, that the earth could provide. The thing that Geb, the earth god, behaved proudly in, Jehovah was above him and consumed it. They had Shu, the, the sky god, and this sky god bringing rain for the crops. It's what all of the Egyptians depended on. Moses lifted his hand toward heaven, and there the creator of the heavens and the earth brought thunder and hail, consumed all of the crops and everything else, destroyed. Jehovah was above him. Egypt worshipped their Pharaoh and all his descendants as deities. Pharaoh was guarded as a, regarded as a mediator between the gods and men. But in the final contest, coming out of Egypt, all the firstborn of Egypt died, even the son of Pharaoh. But down where the Israelites lived, Jehovah said, if you will get the blood of a redeeming lamb, and you'll apply it to the doorpost of your home, the lintel of your home. Your children will be safe. But I'm taking the first. Who is the real mediator? Who is the real one that works between God and man? Where Pharaoh was proud, the Lord was above him. And so in Exodus 18 and 11, he says, Now I know. All the other gods that suppose themselves to be something, that pretend to be something, those gods that are so proud in the very thing in which they behave, he is above them all. Where other gods were bragged on, they were proud, he bested them.
And that was the only the start because then Moses begins to tell him about the bitter water and Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals the bitter water. And he says, I know a God that can do great things. He talks about the hunger, but there was a God who stepped in and provided manna from heaven. He wasn't just the God who showed himself above other, above other gods, but he was a personal God. There was a God that was with them as they were walking. He was making a way. And when they had no water, Moses smote a rock and water poured out. That's the kind of God. And so Jethro looked and said, I've worshipped some other gods. I've lifted up some other gods. But now I know there's one that is above them all. When the enemies of God lifted their hands against the people of God, Moses lifted up a rod in his hands. And that God showed himself to be greater than them all. Jethro didn't witness any of this. He wasn't there. All he heard was a testimony of Moses, and he observed the blessing secondhand, secondhand blessings. He heard about them, but Jethro picked up on something. This is a Lord who blesses. This is a Lord who is with his people. This is a Lord who makes a way where there seems to be no other way. This is a Lord who works on behalf of his people. This God can do things that other gods can't do. Moses needed an outside voice to say to him, listen, all the things that the other gods of this world behaved in proudly, your God, is above them. You may be looking at the bitter waters and the trials and the struggle and the things you've come through and saying, this happened and thank God God made a way. But someone else is looking and saying, you know what? I see a God that is blessing you. I see a God that is making a way. I see a God who is doing great things. And that's the thing about blessings. Blessings, being blessed can be tainted by the experience of bitter water. Blessings can be tainted by having an empty belly or having an empty spiritual vessel. Blessings can be tainted. God can be blessing you and you be completely unaware and not see God's hand in it all because it can be tainted by the dryness of the wilderness and by the battle that you're facing. Moses called it hardship that had come upon them on the way. But let me bring it home to us. Gods of our culture who worship power and success and creativity. And they all feed into one particular thing, the, the worship of self. And we're impressed with power. We're impressed with the capacity and even try to control events. But there is no controlling events. We're impressed by political power. We're impressed by economic power, the significance of governmental decisions, and we're paying attention to everything that's going on over in Ukraine and Russia and other parts of the world. We're paying attention to all of that, but let me remind us about real power. God turns raindrops into snow. Common cocoons become butterflies. He uses the oyster to transform a grain of sand that's worthless into a pearl. He changes clay into sapphire and black coal into shining diamonds. He takes a lamb. With its blood, he covers your sin. And not only yours, but the sins of the world. No one else can do that. 
No one else can try and do the same thing that God does. They can't replicate it. They try and come close, but God can do things no other can do. He takes faith and obedience to the gospel, repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus, and He clears the the deck of sin, and He brings about salvation in our life. He cleanses us and washes us. He brings a new birth and makes new creatures out of old creatures. He sets a new path in front of us that we're empowered to walk. There's power in the name of Jesus, and there is a God that is above every other God. The world bows before the stage of creativity, the painted canvas, the screen, the stage, and the spotlight. But when there was nothing, it was empty. It was a void. Without paint, without a canvas, he called forth the beauty of creation. We're in awe struck by the Grand Canyon and the cosmos and all of the things we can see, the Aurora Borealis up in the North Pole, and all of these things. They're impressive, they're great works at the hand of God. That's not even his masterpiece. That's not, that's not even the greatest thing he's ever done. You want to know the greatest thing he's ever done? Look around this room. You want to see the masterpieces? Look across the aisle from you. Those are masterpieces. Those are people that he has touched and changed. Ephesians 10, 2 and 10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for Good works, what God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. That's his masterpiece. That's his masterpiece. We're impressed by money and position and place and success, but he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Psalm 24 and 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, all the fullness, the world and those who dwell therein, everything. Everything. That's not even the greatest thing that he owns. Preparing for his bride, preparing for you and I, he has built mansions. He has paved roads with gold. He has put up gates of pearl, and he has put up walls of jasper. And he has laid a foundation with precious stones, jasper, onyx, sapphires, all of these things. There's no temple in heaven because the temple is the Lamb. And there is no need for the sun or moon because the city is lit with the brilliance of His glory, the light of the Lamb that shines forth. Let me tell you about a God that has shown Himself above every other God. They all walk around in their pride and behave proudly, but there is a God that is above them all. He is above them. And so I say today, remember, you may may be walking through, through some things. You may be facing bitter waters. You may be walking in a wilderness. You may be thirsty for something more. You may be hungry, but there is a God that is above all of those things. He is above everything that you would face. He is exalted. He is the king above all kings. He is the Lord above all lords. He is own is God, the one true God. He is above them all. So when you look back over your life, and I hope you do look back, I hope you think back over some places where you drank from bitter waters and God made a way. 
I pray that you look back and you think about times where you didn't feel like you were going to make it, but God made a way. I pray that you look back over some things that you've endured and went through and dealt with and trials and troubles and struggles and look back over things that you felt like you came out of it with scars and with hurts and with pains and with tragedies and with traumas. I hope you look back at those things and wherever you look, you don't just see what you went through, but your attention is drawn to the God that made you come through, that your attention is drawn to the God who made a way where there seemed to be no way that took your trauma and he turned it into a testimony and he took your trial and turned it into something that you can celebrate and he took the day when you were drinking from bitter waters and he healed them. Oh, I feel the presence of God right now. I just feel like we should begin to worship him. I feel like we should begin to open our hearts. Somebody say that praise. You can think back to a moment whenever you were going through something and you didn't know God was going to bring you through it, but now you can look back and you see the hand of God working. I wonder if you could just praise Him for that right now. Begin to worship Him for that right now. I don't even know all the testimonies that sit in this room. I don't even know all the works of masterpiece that God has done. I don't know where all He has brought brought you from, but I know there is a praise that can be made. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. He is above them all. He is above them all. He is above them all. Hallelujah. 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 Alex, if you could go get my wife, we're going to be ending pretty soon. I'm going to call for the music right now. I don't feel to go any further in this service right now. I feel like the presence of God is here. I feel like he is confirming himself to some people. There is a God that is above your situation right now. There is a God that stands heads and shoulders above whatever you're facing. Whatever is going on in your family, he stands above that. Whatever is going on in your workplace, he stands above that. Whatever God has reared itself up in this world that is trying to assert itself in authority in your life. He stands above that. Whatever addiction you've struggled with, He can set you free. He is that kind of God. He is a healing God. He is a delivering God. He is a blessing God. He is a God that brings His people out and makes them His own chosen royal priesthood. Why? Because He is that kind of God. Hallelujah. 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 If you'd stand with me, begin to worship the Lord. Lift your hands. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, oh God, a God that is above them all. Remember him as the God that is above them all. The things that you've been through, he can bring you through it again. He can take you through it again. And you need to tell someone. You need to share that testimony. You need to get it out there in the open and testify what God has done. Don't just look at the, at the struggle and the pain and the suffering. Don't just look back at the things that have been going with you through your life and say, you know, that was just trouble and hardship on the journey. No, that was God's blessing working. That was God doing a work. That was God bringing you through something. That was God's seeing you through hallelujah
Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I wonder if there's a great witness. Is there a great witness in this place that you could say God has brought me through a lot of things God has seen me through? I wonder if there's a witness can say that someone else may be going through something. And listen, if you're walking through bitter waters, if you're drinking from bitter waters, you're walking through a wilderness, God can see you through it. God can do the same thing. God can bring you through. 